What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Oh, my God. This is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the two-man power trip podcast. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Cody Rhodes, the prince of pro wrestling, and you are listening to two-man power trip. This is Jimmy Vine, the boogie Wooker man. Tell my people my brothers and sisters, don't you dare miss John and Chad. Hey, everybody out there. This is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> well, guys, it's great to be on the show again i appreciate you asking me back so you said you were going to pinch yourself i didn't know it was that kind of show now i mean if you guys are in the privacy of your own home if you want to do these things good how you doing chad hey johnny cool man what's going on we're ready to go or what uh, uh, hey man what's up guys this is homicide oh that's my homie homicide with a big homie club yeah that would be it hey this is david penzer and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling well, thank you, thank you. Hear me, fear me. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Look, Mean Gene, I can't be beat. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that. And every kid, I, they knew they could kick the out of me. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling. And now... They bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. of his shoulders on the mat. Yeah, but you see, compared to earlier in the match, how quickly he's learning. Kept that left shoulder up at all times. Now bridging. Oh. Deadlift slamming. O'Reilly thought he had the advantage. Lawler counters right back, going after the arm. Can he get it locked in, though? bad way here. He tapped! He tapped! Yeah, he had no choice. No limb, near a rope. What was he gonna do, Rich? You see the way that his head was contorted, the chin almost down at the chest, taking away the airflow. Watch O'Reilly trying to, trying to fight out of this, but Lawler locking in the submission. Well, he tried to counter, but there's just nowhere to go. Feet are the only open limbs, and they're just so far away from the ropes. He had no choice but to tap out. What a tremendous battle between Lawler and O'Reilly here at Division Pro. This is the two-man power trip of wrestling, brought to you today and powered by the IRW Network. Head on over to IRWNetwork.com and check out brand new episodes of the Triple Threat podcast featuring the franchise Shane Douglas, as well as us, the two-man power trip of wrestling, Uploaded every single week with brand new content from you, the fans, as well as from the mind and the world of the franchise, Shane Douglas. And again, it's over at IRWNetwork.com. And if you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, the one and only John Paz. And John, today on the show, we're going to get dirty and perhaps downright filthy 
as Filthy Tom Lawler, a current UFC fighter and professional wrestler, gets on the airwaves today to talk about the big one, MLW's return and MLW One Shot, which is coming your way October 5th from the Guilt Nightclub in Orlando, Florida. You can go to MLW.com. You can go to MLW.tv. And if you plan on going to the event, you can go to Eventbrite.com and search MLW and get all of the ticket information over there for this huge return of MLW, which obviously we've been talking about at great lengths for the last couple of weeks, talking to MVP about his upcoming match with Sammy Callahan, talking to Court Bauer himself about the event and how it came together, and now getting filthy Tom Lawler into the mix to talk about his match with Mr. Athletic Jeff Cobb, which looks to be one of the more anticipated matches of the entire card because you take that pure athleticism and downright explosiveness of Jeff Cobb mixed with the skill and the intensity of Tom Lawler, and basically it is the perfect match, you know, quote-unquote, in kind of a pun fashion, but not meaning to be, but these pairings that they have for MLW's one-shot is absolutely a wrestling fan's dream where you get all the perfect mixes of different styles, of different uh, strengths, and different kinds of performances out of each wrestler, But with Tom Lawler, what an extraordinary story he's got being a UFC fighter, being a lifelong wrestling fan, and being somebody who did train in professional wrestling but took a break to have an an MMA career and to have a pretty damn good one. So that's kind of uh, the gist of what this conversation is going to be. But a lot of the focus is on the big MLW return, and we're just so pumped to be involved with promoting this event and having these guests on the show because this is going to be a big one, folks. And if you don't get in touch with MLW to either stream it 72 hours after the event or if you're in Orlando to get there, you are paying yourself a great disservice if you're going to skip this event because it's going to be something pretty special But, John, as I welcome you in here now, why don't you tell us a little bit more about Filthy Tom? Why don't you give us some of the highlights that we have to look forward to in today's episode, as well as some of the finer points that we took away here from this cool interview with Filthy Tom Lawler. Yes, Chad, back at it here at the two-man power trip of wrestling. And this time, we're getting a little bit filthy as we welcome Tom Lawler, the current, excuse me, current UFC fighter to the show and why I say current twice and why I say it like that is because uh, we have a funny little uh, joke to start off uh, the interview with the filthy one and I put it on the one sheet and I kind of just uh, kind of brushed over it maybe wishful thinking on my part but I put that he was the former UFC fighter obviously he's just the current UFC fighter, and he's just off on suspension for about uh, about a year or so left. He'll be back in uh, 2018 sometime when his suspension clears up. But I just thought that was funny how he says uh, after Chad, you said former. Obviously, he really is a current, and it's funny that I that I kind of put that and was kind of thinking. I knew he was going to be back, but maybe hoping that he wouldn't. I was hoping maybe that he would stay in the professional wrestling realm because he really has been such a tremendous pro wrestler so far, and he's just a natural, one of those guys, quick fit. He had training many, many years ago in pro wrestling, so maybe it came a little bit easier this time around to him, but it's just great, and I think it's funny that uh, that's kind of how the interview starts off, calling him former. 
technically right now he is a former UFC fighter. When he returns, he will be a current UFC fighter. We can kind of change it in that light as well. But we do definitely go into UFC. We definitely do talk about his run there, talk about his whole MMA career and all that fun stuff like him coming out to walkouts dressed as certain wrestlers or when he goes to weigh-ins dressed as certain wrestlers or even imitating ex-fighters like Dan Severn who who he did in AIW get the chance to wrestle almost as the fake Dan Severn which is really really cool and if you want to check that out please find AIW wherever they're located find that check them out it's very funny stuff very good stuff very hard-hitting good match that those two put on now also imitating guys you know like Jimerson and and Howard and all these old school UFC guys that maybe everybody isn't familiar with but it's so funny and it's so entertaining even when he imitates Apollo Creed or Hulk Hogan or Genki Sudo I mean there's so many guys that he just nails and he kind of uses Kazushi Sakuraba who's a huge MMA legend huge wrestling legend as his influence and I just thought that was so cool that he kind of, you know, gives props and gives respect and really knew his history, really knew the sport of MMA and really knew his UWFI history as Sakuraba was a student of the game at that point as he started his career in pro wrestling. So it's really great that Tom knows his history there. And it's really great to see a UFC fighter not be boring, a UFC fighter actually be entertaining, UFC fighter having some charisma and standing out from the crowd and, and using different things like imitating and really just being entertaining. I mean, there's no other word to say, no other word to put it. Just really going out there and showing you that UFC fighters aren't just boring and just humdrum and, oh, yeah, we're going to walk to the cage. No, they're actually going to put some thought into it. They're going to put some entertainment value in it. They're going to actually make you want to see them fight, whether you realize it or not. That kind of stuff really enthralls the audience it really gets gets the audience into it and it's you know no secret that over there in Bellator that's kind of what they're trying to do now with the big entrance ways and kind of hearkening back to the days of pride and obviously like we talked to Tom in the interview he says that he basically is trying to hearken to the to the good days the golden days of pride and Sakuraba and guys like that who really really added an extra added value to the MMA game but besides that and obviously you know we are going to talk about his wrestling career like we mentioned the indie scene he did have a brief little stint in ROH which if you haven't seen it he was with Red Dragon when they wrestled the Young Bucks great stuff by him he was the corner man slash manager and he really really did kill it really good stuff I really enjoyed it and to think of his career so far and you just think of his style legit guy MMA fighter Who's he going to mesh well in the ring with? He's had great matches so far in his short stint with Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, Davey Richards, and Matt Riddle. And there's just so many. But he can have different matches with different people. And I don't know. I just love his style. I love how he's been able to throw in some power bombs, some different submissions that you may not have seen before. Just love everything he's been able to do and kind of put everything all into one and just really treat pro wrestling like a combat sport and I just absolutely love that and it's very cool to hear so of course he's wrestling Jeff Cobb coming up at MLW's one shot October 5th at the Guilt Nightclub yes October 5th it all goes down on Thursday if you can't catch it on Thursday 
please catch it on MLW.TV. 72 hours later, yes, 72 hours later on MLW.TV, you will hear the smooth sounds of Tony Schiavone and Rich Brennan, as they call the action. You are really going to love this one as Ricochet wrestles Shane Strickland in the main event. You got Santarina Garrett against Mia Yim. You got MJF against Utah. You got, of course... Cannot forget to mention former guest MVP against Sammy, a.k.a. Sally Callahan. And I'll just mention this one last time. The filthy one, our guest today, Tom Lawler, versus Jeff Cobb, Mr. Athletic himself. That is going to be a hard-hitting, stiff slugfest, if you ever heard one, with a lot of athleticism mixed in. So sit back, relax, and enjoy a really fun interview with the filthy one, the filthy mauler himself, Tom Lawler. Absolutely. And again, we want to thank filthy Tom Lawler for coming on today's show. We want to wish all the folks next week at MLW's One Shot a huge and huge uh, congratulations on the promotion of this show. And hopefully the execution is flawless and perhaps filthy with Tom Lawler involved. But hopefully it's a great show and nobody's going to benefit more than the wrestling fans to have some more amazing content And not only are you going to get that Shane Strickland and Ricochet main event, not only are you going to get this filthy Tom Lawler versus Jeff Cobb, but as you heard MVP talk about a couple episodes ago, you're going to see him versus Sammy Callahan. You're going to see Mia Yim taking on Santana Garrett. I mean, a lot of great matches coming your way in a mere matter of days as you are listening to this in real time. But again, we want to thank Filthy Tom. want to thank Court Bauer. And I want to thank the folks of MLW for making this episode possible. So, with all that being said, like I said at the top, today's episode is brought to you by the IRW Network and our other podcast that we have, the Triple Threat Podcast with the franchise Shane Douglas, who is an MLW alumni. But if you listen to the show with Shane Douglas, you've heard the Ask Franchise Anything segment. And in that segment, we answer listener-submitted questions covering all kinds of topics, whether it's talking about the career of Shane Douglas, whether it's talking about guys he had involvement with during his career, whether it's moments from his career, or, hey, what's going on in professional wrestling today, or even a KISS question or two with Shane being a huge KISS fan. You never know what questions are going to come in to the Ask Franchise Anything segment. And if you've heard episodes 1 through 16 so far, you know we've covered a lot of ground with those questions. So please keep sending them in, and you can send questions to thetriplethreatpod at gmail.com if you haven't gotten in on the action yet. And if you have gotten in on the action, we thank you so much. And head on over to irwnetwork.com today and stream those episodes. And you will definitely enjoy a little bit more wrestling content coming your way, courtesy of Shane Douglas and the two-man power trip of wrestling. So, John, why don't you take us the rest of the way, hit us with a little bit of two-man power trip of wrestling business, and get it on over to Tom Lawler. Now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip and at Wrestling Pal. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. 
Also, while on iTunes, check out the feed for prior legendary episodes featuring the living legend Bruno Sammartino, the late great American Dream Dusty Rose, the Enforcer Arn Anderson, Ray Mysterio Jr., Glenn Kane Jacobs, the phenomenal AJ Styles, lead WWE attorney Jerry McDivitt, and so many others. Also, while you're on the internet, check out ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. They are your superstore for all your wrestling t-shirt needs. Check out our page. Check out Tito Santana, Coco Beware, Kevin Thorne, Buff Bagwell, Magnum TA, and so many others. Also, while you're on the web, check out our website, TMPTOfWrestling.com. And if you're on Android, please check us out on Google Play or Player FM. Follow along with a two-man power trip in 2017 as we come to a town near you. TMPT hits the road. October 21st, we hit the Legends of the Ring in New Jersey. November 4th, we hit the big event in New York City. And the big one, the granddaddy of them all, the big guy, Wrestlecade in North Carolina on 11:25 with Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard. There will be a Four Horsemen reunion for sure. So follow along with the two-man power trip as you never know where we may land. And now, without any further ado, the third brother of destruction, the Mauler, the four-time UFC Performance of the Night winner. He is a UFC fighter turned professional wrestler. You may know him as Filthy. He is Tom Lawler. Please enjoy. about MLW's one shot. We've been talking about it a lot on the show, but as we get closer, to, we are joined on the line by a former UFC fighter turned pro wrestler. He is known as Filthy. He is a huge wrestling fan, and now he is crossed over into the ring. He is the one and only Tom Lawler. Thank you so much for joining the two-man power trip. Yeah, thanks for having me, but I must correct you. It is current UFC fighter. <laughs> Not you know, funny. I got to tell you something. You want to grab one of those UFC holds, you put that on the guy who wrote up the uh, the, the one sheet in the <laughs> description. That would be my co-host. So current UFC fighter, filthy Tom Lawler, joining us tonight on the two-man power trip of wrestling. How's that sound? 
Uh, it sounds a lot better. <laughs> well, Tom, we've been talking about MLW One Shot for the last couple of weeks. We are counting down the days till October 5th, and I guess you would be doing the same exact thing. How do you feel with this return of MLW and getting your hands on Mr. Athletic Jeff Cobb? Uh, Jeff Cobb is a fight that I've been looking forward to uh, since I decided to get back in the professional wrestling uh, squared circle. He's a guy I've enjoyed watching over the past few years. He's really made a name for himself, not only in the U.S. Uh, on the independent team, but throughout the world, uh, really, as a top-notch talent. And he's a guy that comes from an amateur wrestling background, a four Olympian. So, you know, he carries uh, a same air of legitimacy uh, that I do. And I think it was a natural matchup, and I'm you know, glad it's happening for MLW. Uh, MLW was a promotion that was around in Florida, uh, and I lived in Florida <clears throat> during the time that I was there. And, you know, I remember watching it uh, on Sun Sports or the Sunshine Network or whatever it was at that point. Um, you know, so MLW was, was around when I was, you know, kind of getting out of college and getting into wrestling the first go-around. So it's awesome to be on the return show here on One Shot. Yeah, that's really cool, and that's another thing we've been talking about a lot is the fact that uh, it was a great promotion back when it was operating, and that's really cool to know that you were a fan and you were following it because when we were talking to MVP, he had said the same thing and shared his story about how he wanted to get booked in MLW but uh, did not get the opportunity. But this return, you know, for a lot of hardcore fans, it's long-awaited, and just by the way the card is shaping up, obviously uh, they're not shying away from getting right back into uh putting some high-performance matches out there with some top-level talent. Yeah, you know, you mentioned MVP uh, earlier. Obviously, he's taking on Sammy Callahan. Uh, you got Rick Shane, Shane Strickland in the main event. Uh, a lot of other matches just recently announced. Oh, I'm getting attacked here. Uh, recently announced uh, MJF <laughs> taking on Utah, I believe. So um, there's going to be something for everybody. You know, Jeff Cobb and I are going to go out there and beat the ever-living snot out of each other, and then, I'm sure you're going to see some great high-flying action in some of the other matches. So it'll be a nice variety of different styles and, you know, really showcase what wrestling today is all about. It's, uh, yeah, it's coming up. It's fast approaching. I feel like uh, as we've been building it up, you know, the anticipation, as they would say, you can cut with a knife. And on October 5th at the Guild Nightclub in Orlando, Florida, and you got Jeff Cobb across the ring. How do you prepare for somebody like a Jeff Cobb who is pretty skilled himself, Obviously, everybody's got their own special skill set, but how do you prepare for a guy the level of a Jeff Cobb? Well, someone like Jeff Cobb, uh, I know I'm not going to be able to work uh, some of the power moves that I usually do just based on his size. Um, so some of the more elaborate throws that I can pull off on smaller guys I'll probably have to shy away from. So I've been doing a, you know, a lot of work on my submission game and uh, you know a lot of like movement training so that you know, I'm quick on my feet and I'm able to kind of evade him now. He's a great athlete as well, but uh, I'm going to have the advantage when it comes to technical, maybe not uh, the takedown game, but the technical mat wrestling once we're down there, the submission game uh, will be in my favor. So, you know, uh, you don't want to get too far away from best your best options, your best offense in the match. So I've been working a lot on my submission game, and I think you're going to see that uh, when I tap Jeff Cobb out. <laughs> Very nice, and I was going to say, I was going to go in a different direction here, but i got to say I'm not going to give him a scouting report, 
but what does uh, what does Jeff Cobb have to expect from you? So you're uh, you're obviously chomping at the bit to get in between those ropes. So what is uh, something that maybe not that he's not going to expect, but what's something that Jeff Cobb could look forward uh, to uh, either an ass beating or a nice uh, a nice couple stretches uh, in the middle of your match? Yeah, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a guy that works and continuously, continuously hones my technique. Uh, but one other thing that I think people don't account for is the fact that for about a week before the match, I will not shower, I will not bathe, I will not <laughs> sprinkle myself with water, so that when the time for that match comes, I'm at my utmost filthiest. And, uh, you know, it just puts me over the edge a little bit when the guy's trying to get away from me, his mind's on, you know, creating space so he's not getting hit with a, a stank armpit and it allows me to take advantage. So. And then, of course, you know, you being a, uh, a pretty well-versed wrestling guy yourself, having a, someone like Tony Schiavone put on the headsets one more time and come out of a, I, I wouldn't say retirement, but just a long stretch of not doing pro wrestling, does that, uh, that kind of make it a little bit more special for the match that you've got a voice like Tony Schiavone, who's been the, uh, the soundtrack of so many huge moments in the business, being somebody coming out of uh, a you know, somewhat retirement to call your contest? Yeah, it's going to be awesome. But it, to be honest, it's not something I, that I'll be thinking about when I'm out there, you know, competing. That'll be the furthest thing uh, from my mind. But I'd like to go back and I study tape and I study my matches and I look for things that I can do differently, that I can be better, that I can pr- improve upon. And the fact that it's going to be Tony Schiavone, you know, laying the soundtrack uh, for that match is going to be pretty awesome. So, you know, it's not going to be something I'm really focused on before the before the fight, but afterwards. It's going to be, you know, really kind of like surreal almost in a way, I'm sure, uh, for the the remaining little kid that's somewhere inside of me. <laughs> yeah, you hear so many guys that, you know, were fans growing up, and we see, you know, the quote, the legends that come in and out of business. We see guys that, like a Tony Schiavone, who, who stepped away and is now coming back. But it's weird, this wrestling podcast world that's just completely exploded in MLW being literally – at the forefront of all that with all these really just cool and innovative shows, and obviously giving platforms to, uh, to two dopes with a podcast as well, to be able to interview guys like you, you know, do you think that the wrestling business has changed a lot since 2003, since MLW last ran or 2004, you know, has the business really evolved in a completely different way than, you know, really, I think anybody could have ever expected back then. Yeah, I would say so for sure. Um, if you take a look back, even uh, back in like 2006, uh, around that time, I was uh, working on the Florida Independent scene. And I was, you know, kind of middle of the road, maybe even a little bit on the smaller side at a lot of the shows. Uh, there was a lot of bigger guys. But nowadays I go to shows and, you know, it seems like I'm uh, one, of the larger, one of the larger guys on these independent rosters. So if you take a look at the shift in just size of the wrestlers and size of the workers, um, is a big difference, as well as, you know, the different styles. You can see pretty much anything on an independent card, much like you could on, like, a late 90s uh, WCW show. You could have, you know, great high flyers, great mat technicians, uh, big brawlers, a hardcore match. You could have it all on one show, and that's not something that you get from mainstream wrestling necessarily. Um, so it's awesome to be able to go out there to shows like MLW and to display, you know, just one of those facets of what wrestling is today. That's a damn good comparison to a late 90s WCW uh, card. That's a, 
That's actually that uh, brought a smile to my face. That's a damn good comparison. But another comparison that can be made with you is obviously when we think about any kind of UFC fighters or MMA fighters, we start going down the laundry list of the guys that have made the jump or either vice versa, coming into wrestling from MMA or going from wrestling to MMA. So as you got over to MMA, which one would you say was your first love? Would it be wrestling or would it be the MMA side, the fighting part of uh, mixed martial arts? They're all the same thing. I mean, let's let's not let's not split hairs here. I mean, it, MMA is just a different form of professional wrestling. It depends on what country you live in. Here in the U.S., for some reason we want to separate them. Go to Japan, and the two of them are looked at very differently. You know, so uh, you know, in my mind, this is all professional wrestling. Whether it's in that cage, whether it's in the ring, um, whether it's me out on the street, it's all the same deal. So. I mean, if you want to take that as a cop-out, go for it. But, uh, you know, I'm comfortable with that answer. Hey, that's a damn good answer. Again, it's just like with what you said about the, uh, the WCW comparison, that's a great answer because it's not something that we're used to hearing. Like I said, it's, you know, when we talk about UFC guys or MMA fighters coming to wrestling or vice versa, we kind of look for comparisons. But do you look to compare yourself to anybody else, or do you just want to have the interest of building your career and what, you know, you're going to have in terms of your path rather than look at the template of other guys who have done both switches to and from MMA. Yeah, you can always look at what other guys have done, but if you try to follow and copy someone else's path, uh, you're probably not going to reach your destination. So what I do is I look at what other guys have done in the past. I look at what Ken Shamrock's done. I look at, look at what Dan Severn's done. I look at someone like, Matt Riddle, even, uh, who, I, who I just had the uh, fortunate, um, you know, chance to wrestle this past weekend. And he's, you know, a guy who in recent times has made that jump and been very successful. So there's all these guys out here. And, if you, and that's just in the U.S. If you look across the world, Shinsuke Nakamura uh, was an MMA guy as well. So there's guys throughout the entire world um, that have been able to kind of work both styles but if you try to follow their path, like I said, you're not going to get where you want to go. So you kind of have to, you know, blaze your own trail. And I'm not looking to do, you know, the same matches as everybody else. I have my own view of what professional wrestling is. And uh, usually, you know, originality is the best. So. That is true. But if you had to pick one guy from the crop of the uh, the MMA Slash wrestling guys, would there be anybody specifically that you would pick over the other to either watch their tape, see how they did things, study promo? Would, is there any guy you would pick over anyone else to kind of explore what they did in their career? Uh, you know, I mean, Ken Shamrock is probably the most popular guy, but uh, I wouldn't look at, you know, his WWE run and try to copy it whatsoever. Um, no, I, I honestly, I watch a lot more uh, stuff from Japan when it comes to, um, you know, older wrestling, like UWFI style. So, yeah, maybe like someone like Kazushi Sakuraba, um, you know, dabbled in both and kind of went from pro wrestling into MMA and then back and uh, was successful in all, all facets pretty much. So. Yeah, Sakuraba is, is a guy that really sticks out to me because he was a pro wrestler, really, and then he went into MMA and became one of the best fighters ever. So it's always interesting that dynamic of kind of the both ways, MMA to wrestling and, and wrestling to MMA. Do you think that wrestling is harder than MMA or do you think MMA might be harder than wrestling? 
Um, you know, one of the things about professional wrestling is uh, once you get to a certain point, it's not like you're training professional wrestling every day for two hours a day. To uh, so get ready for a professional MMA contest, you have to be in the gym, you know, three to four hours a day, and that starts to wear on you uh, mentally and physically. So um, I think just the amount of time required that you have to put into MMA makes it um, a little bit worse if you're in, you know, training camp, you're in shape all year. Uh, makes it a little bit worse than pro wrestling. Pro wrestling training, you can, you know, in a lot of ways, less is more, uh, as opposed to MMA where it's more, 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 more. So I think the training style uh, is tougher, for sure. Now, you, in MMA, obviously, I kind of, I did the, the one shoot for the show, and I put kind of former UFC fighter almost wishful thinking on my part because I was almost hoping that you don't go back after the suspension. So almost thinking that you stick with pro wrestling. What's your, you know, your long-term thing? Did you want to stick with pro wrestling for as long as possible? Or are you kind of doing it waiting in the the wings for UFC, you know, to come back? Uh, You know, like I said earlier to me, they're all the same thing. So um, I'm definitely going to go fight again once I can uh, next year, next October. Uh, I'm planning on fighting for the UFC uh, but if somebody in the meantime comes up with an offer that I cannot refuse uh, in the pro wrestling realm, uh, then I would love to take that offer. I've also done, you know, professional uh, grappling competitions, and some of those pay pretty well too. So I'm kind of just like a mercenary, you know. I have a number of uh, skills that I can employ, and depending on who has the, the money, I'll go employ those skills, you know. That is great. Mercenary for hire. That's a... Uh... Pretty cool, uh, you know, little gimmick you kind of have there. And obviously legit background to back it up, which is great. But one thing I always noticed when you were in UFC and all the different kind of style, you, almost like you had a wrestling promo style, almost had more of an entertainment value than most of the fighters over there. Most of the guys kind of humdrum, boring, and, you know, they don't really kind of put a lot of thought and effort into it. Is that like a, a really well thought out thing in your mind? Like, you know, I'm going to be more entertaining than basically everyone else here. Uh, you know, as I watched, I watched MMA in the U.S. since its inception. Um, I tried to watch as much Japanese fighting uh, as I could when I was younger and Japanese wrestling. And, you know, uh, in Japan, they'll take a lot of the, you know, more professional wrestling or entertainment elements uh, from professional wrestling, and they would kind of import them into Pride and other uh, mixed martial arts-based shows. So, you know, watching that that kind of uh, that time period kind of gave me, you know, like you mentioned earlier, a template almost in a way of, uh, you know, how I kind of wanted to get myself over. So, um, yeah, I mean, if you look back and, and kind of, you know, I could point in the exact direction of uh, Kazushi Sakuraba. He'd come out with different masks, uh, different gimmicks. Uh, there's another guy, Genki Sudo, who would do the same. And basically, I just kind of stole their gimmicks. <laughs> Pretty good guys to be stealing gimmicks from. Uh, that's for yeah. sure. And, and I believe you even imitated uh, Sue at one point. I remember you imitated Severin, um, Harold Howard, uh, Jimerson, a bunch of other guys that you imitated. Was that kind of yeah. guys that you liked, or was that kind of easier guys to imitate than other guys? Yeah, it would just depend on the circumstance in that case. And it got to a point where it would be tough to try to figure figure out people or people are trying to guess who I was going to be next. And I'm trying not to disappoint people, but at the same time, it, you know, it gets tougher and tougher to uh, 
kind of come up with quick and easy costumes. So, um, no, I, I'm not very good at planning things like that. A lot of times it's spur of the moment, even for instances for fights where I'd be, you know, doing walkouts on the way down. A lot of that would be like I'm out at a thrift store or, uh, you know, doing shopping two days before looking for costumes. So, um, you know, it's just kind of fly by the seat of my pants. Is it a lot of thought you're putting into it, though, or is it almost coming to you naturally, like, oh, I want to imitate Hulk Hogan this time? Or, you know, is that is that just like a natural thought coming to your head, or are you really thinking real far ahead and really planning it out? No, it depends. Like, uh, you know, the last fight that I had, I, I went to the weigh-ins, uh, dressed as Conor McGregor with the Conor McGregor, tat, you know, fake tattoos and stuff. That clearly was done for a reason to get the attention on that particular show, you know, because he was there. Um, you know, some of the other things are not as thought out, you know, not, not nearly, but it just depends on the situation. You know, sometimes uh, I'll just be sitting around, I get an idea and I think that's going to be the way to go. And then two days before the fight, I come up with a different idea that, you know, clicks in my head at that time. So it's kind of, kind of done by impulse. Really does help you stand out from the other guys though, that are kind of doing the boring stuff. It's almost like, like Conor McGregor doing, we're doing like more like pro wrestling style promos and it really helps you get noticed. Do you rather have that approach over some of the, I'm just going to go out there and fight approach. Don't you think there's more of an entertainment value that should be associated with MMA than a lot of the guys think? Uh, Yeah, for sure. And, you know, personally for me, I think it takes away a little bit of the uh, pressure because, you know, people like the fighters know I'm, you know, when you're fighting me, you know, there's stuff to watch out for. You know, I'm skilled. And a lot of the fans out there know that too, but there's always this thought in the back of your mind, like this guy's a clown. Like he shouldn't be out there winning, you know? So, uh, you know, or at least in my mind, that's how I view the situation. So I think it takes a little bit of pressure off myself as well to have, you know, be more than just tie everything into that fighting aspect. Clearly, you know, I put in a lot of time on the skills. I put in a lot of time in the gym uh, to try to, you know, uh, get better at jiu-jitsu, get better at striking, get better at everything. Um, but at the same time, you know, if that's the only thing that I, you know, put all my stock into in life, then at the end of the day, you know, may not may not be happy. So, uh, you know, I think it helps me ease my mind, basically. And it's definitely something that sticks out because you mentioned Sakuraba before, and you just think back to some of his fights where three guys walk out in mass, you don't know which one is which, and all of a sudden, you know, he pulls off the mask, and and he's the, you know, he's the one in the middle or, or the one whatever. Just those kind of things just make you attracted to the fighter even more. And I think that that's something you have done a lot better than a lot of other guys, because you know, some maybe even somebody that's not even as familiar with MMA is like, wow, I don't really follow it that much, but that guy is awesome. I love when he's yeah. doing, you know, Apollo Creed or or, or whoever. You know, it's, it's something that makes you stick out, in it, but in, in a very positive way. Yeah, I also get the, the thing where, like, people know that there's a guy doing that stuff, but they don't know it's me, even they know me. You know what I'm saying? Yep, yep. Like, like there's almost like a separation sometimes, that there's two different people. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's pretty cool to at least have some sort of notoriety for something, you know, different rather than just, oh, hey, I remember I remember that fight you did, uh, you know, where, you know, it was kind of like 50-50, and then uh, there was a split decision. And, you know, nobody remembers that, but somebody's like, oh, wait a minute. I remember the guy came out dressed as Dan Severin. You know, that was pretty <laughs> awesome. So. And the crazy thing is, you dressed like Severin, you imitated him, and not too long ago in the AIW, you had the chance to wrestle Dan Severin. Was that kind of a surreal moment for you? 
Yeah, and that was on like uh, 12 hours notice or something. I found out that it was going to be Dan Severn uh, stepping in. My original opponent wasn't able to make it. Uh, they offered Dan Severn up, and I said, the only way I'm doing it is if I'm dressed up as him. And uh, as soon as I landed off the plane, I had to rush, go get my hair dyed, get the costume, and go get ready to, to beat him up. So uh, it was a crazy experience. But, you know, looking back, it's like it was like a nine-year payoff for a storyline. So, long-term booking. Yeah, too bad that they didn't have more time to kind of uh, promote it and really build it up because they could have built it up even further. Yeah, well, I think this was perfect. Definitely kind of a, a surreal moment. It's like, wow, you know, all these years later, actually getting to wrestle this guy. But as far as, you know, AIW and some of the other indies that you've been, obviously, beyond wrestling, you've been up there in Canada for Greater North North uh, Wrestling. What is your thoughts of the pro wrestling independent scene? It's, it can be a weird and wacky place, but have you been enjoying your time on the independent scene? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if I wasn't, I wouldn't be doing it. Um, this is like, you know, something I looked forward uh, to doing for a long time was being able to get back in the, in the ring. And luckily I'm able to get back in there. I almost feel like I'm like, uh, you know, living out like a fantasy camp sometimes. Like, am I really here at this show? Am I, you know, am I really wrestling Kyle O'Reilly or, am I, you know, really wrestling Eddie Kingston right now? Um, so, yeah, it's been really awesome for me. Now, Kyle O'Reilly does have, like, kind of that MMA style that kind of meshes with you. Bobby Fish, who you wrestled also. Is it easier wrestling those guys and even, like, a Matt Riddle, or do you prefer more of like, a standard pro wrestling style? Uh, either way, honestly, I had a match against, uh, Mike Bailey, who's, you know, a martial arts guy, but he also does a lot of high flying and that match, I had a blast in that. Um, so, you know, it really, honestly, it doesn't matter to me. I think one of the biggest, most fun challenges for me every match is trying to fit my style in with somebody else's. You know, it's easy for me to a certain extent to go work against like Matt Riddle or, um, another guy, Don Garini, I wrestled a couple of weeks ago. Somebody, or Dan Severn, somebody with that style. It's not too tough to plan out. But when uh, when you have to deal with somebody like, you know, a high flyer, and then, you know, you're accustomed to working a submission game, it becomes a challenge to try to, you know, work all that stuff in together. So that's kind of one of the big um, challenges, but it's also uh, keeps you motivated as well. And the first time I really took notice that you were kind of entering into the pro wrestling world as far as, you know, really getting involved was with Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish when you were kind of the corner man manager for the Red Dragon in ROH in New York. That was a hell of a deal. Did you enjoy that? Because that seemed like you were having a blast. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was that was the most fun I could have legally um, <laughs> at that time in my life, for sure. So that was a great experience. Now, you were trained previously, right? Like you kind of did some pro wrestling training in around 2008 or so and then actually, you know, ended up coming back. How did that kind of work out? Were you doing MMA training and pro wrestling training at the same time? Uh, So I had uh, my first fight in 2003, and then kind of I was going back and forth uh, between the two of them for a while. So uh, I trained and I think I worked uh, the Florida Indies for a while, like 2006-ish. Uh, and then shortly thereafter, um, resumed MMA training and then kind of went on the Ultimate Fighter in 2008 and been doing that ever since. 
Now, as far as the Ultimate Fighter is concerned, obviously Frank Mir, the team captain, if you yeah. will, you know, legend in, in the sport. What was that like being a part of the Ultimate Fighter? Because, you know, obviously as the Ultimate Fighter lore goes, it kind of saved MMA at one point with Griffin and Bonner. But what was your experience yeah. like with Mir and the Ultimate Fighter? Uh, you know, Frank Mir was around. It wasn't as if he was uh, necessarily like a coach that was there, like hands-on most of the time. He had he brought in other coaches to kind of coach for him. Um, but, I, you know, I have no nothing bad to say about it. That was just the situation. Um, but, you know, I had, I had a good time on the show. I was at a point in my life where I was 25 years old, no kids, um, no real job going on. So it was easy for me to kind of escape and get into uh, into the, you know, the lifestyle in that house. But for some of the guys who were a little bit older and had kids and, you know, families and stuff, I could tell it was really tough on them. So uh, for me it was a great experience, but I think a lot of that depends on what stage you're at in your life. So. The thing with me, and obviously, you know, you, you, you'd beat uh, Lopez and you lose to Ryan Bader, who's now the Bellator um, light heavyweight champ. But the thing that fascinates me is a guy like you, it's like, okay, you were comfortable light heavyweight at one point, but then you decide to move to middleweight. What is the thought process in that? Is it just that you're looking for a certain edge at a certain weight class, or were you just not comfortable at light heavyweight? Uh, the last time I cut to 185, uh, it was really tough on me. I was throwing up. Uh, essentially, like, passed out and wasn't sure if I was even going to be able to fight at all. Um, so, you know, I decided that was pretty much the end of that. Um. Now, is that something that, you know, you, you think of beforehand, that you want to make that cut down and, and try to do middleweight? Or, like, what's what's kind of your thought process there? Like, you thought you'd do better at that weight class? or uh, What do you mean, cutting down to 185? Yeah, what, what was you, did you have like you, you know a distinct advantage in your head like why you wanted to well, cut? Well, I mean it's it's just kind of a thing that's done in MMA, especially at that time. You know, a lot of guys were cutting weight. It was just something that you did. You cut down to the lowest weight class you possibly could and still compete because it was going to give you an advantage. So it wasn't like in my mind I thought I was going to be better. I thought that's just what everybody did. You know, not knowing any better. Um, now in hindsight, you know, I wish I would have taken the time and put on a little bit more weight. Uh, rather than trying to lose it, but you know, it's easy to say in retrospect. Yes. Oh, yeah. Now you've obviously, you know, you've had uh, eleven fights UFC. You've got a winning record. It's a very positive thing. When you're eligible to return in 2018, is there anybody on your mind that you'd like to fight? No, no, I don't even. And honestly, I don't know. I may. My weight is kind of stabilized. You know, I'm a little bit older. I may be able to cut down to 85 again. Um, so I'm going to have to really take a look at, you know, kind of the landscape in a year. And like I said, you know, maybe I won't even be, uh, wanting to go back to the UFC. Maybe I'll have opportunities in wrestling that'll keep me there. Um, which I'm, you know, hopefully looking forward to that happening. So. What's great about you and the fact that you were in the UFC and obviously had some big time opponents like Chris Weidman, obviously a huge, huge star there, but there's something about a guy like you that just is legit. You know, like there's an MMA fighter, they have a certain style, they have a certain look, they have a certain aura about them, but that legitness, it helps. Have you found that that helps you in the pro wrestling world as far as crowd reactions and things like that? Uh, Yeah, some crowds uh, know what they're getting into. Some crowds are there just to see professional wrestling. So, uh, you know, I kind of have to read the crowd a little bit and see what I can get away with as far as the submission game and, 
that kind of that kind of style goes, and then adjust from there. So uh, it really depends on the crowd. Some places love it, some places hate it. Now we know some uh, pro wrestlers from doing the, you know some interviews and, and the other stuff that we do for our show for for quite a while. But I've noticed that a couple of the guys mentioned you, and they said that they were pretty impressed. And I and I've watched some matches, and I've seen you throw in some power bombs and just do some crazy submissions that like you wouldn't expect and just you just see some things that you you know haven't quite seen before did you expect to be able to be basically this good this quickly uh i'm not nearly where i want to be yet let me just put it that way i've done nothing up to this point you have definitely impressed some people. I, I will tell you that some, you know, and, and definitely impressed us. We, we were kind of surprised, like, you know, you never quite know how serious a guy will be and, and, you know, how ready they are. And you seem to be ahead of the game. Is it because maybe you're more of a natural because you were a wrestling fan? Oh, I think you got to take into account that, you know, the fact that I had wrestled before, even though it was 10 years ago, mm-hmm. uh, the fact that I'm a fan, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's something that comes natural, you know, um, I didn't wrestle for a long time and I was able to get back into it and pick it up relatively quickly. But like I said, uh, I've done nothing. I have not accomplished one tenth of the amount of stuff I've, that I had wanted to six months back into this. So, um, you know, I'm glad that some people are impressed, but I'm not impressed with my, my GST would say, I am not impressed with my own performance. <laughs> Are you happy to see him returning and getting an immediate uh, title shot? Uh, I don't even care. <laughs> you know, it's for money. So do whatever yep. you want. Let's, let's see whatever fights, you know, the public wants to see at this point. So. Now, I just got to ask this because obviously WB is the, the big game in town. They're, you know, they're the big wrestling organization. Now, did you have a tryout for them like many, many moons ago? Is that true that you actually did have a tryout? Uh, yeah, I did. However, it didn't go, uh, the way that, you know, obviously I had hoped and that's kind of what drove me into, uh, the mixed martial arts world or kind of back into MMA was I wasn't happy with, uh, the way that the tryout went. I wasn't happy with the feedback that I had gotten. And I kind of thought, you know, I want to get into, uh, something where I can kind of control my own destiny a little bit more, not realizing that the UFC isn't really like that. Very, very true. It's uh, more of a political uh, game than than you think. But as I wind it down here, I just was curious: was there any interest now in going to WB? Would would there be any interest now that you kind of, you know, you're you're getting better at this, getting the hang of that? Uh, you know, the schedule is not really very appealing uh, in the long run. Even sometimes, you know, when you factor in the money and the cost associated with traveling all year. Uh, sometimes the juice isn't worth the squeeze. And, you know, I'm at a point in my life where I can make some money doing multiple things. I can, um, you know, I can teach mixed martial arts. I can teach jiu-jitsu. I can, you know, be involved with stuff like that uh, and also fight and wrestle at the same time and, you know, be involved with other things. So I don't need uh, to be on the road all year. I don't desire that lifestyle. So I'm kind of happy, um, essentially, with being in the independent scene, but, you know, like I said, I'm not happy with, you know, where I'm at right now. What about if you got like a nice little Brock Lesnar like schedule where you, you show up, you beat up a few people, you leave, you come back in a couple months. Oh, that'd be phenomenal. But there's, you know, there's one Brock Lesnar. There's not a, 
there's not a ton of them. And I'm like, you know, the size of one of those organs that he got removed from diverticulitis. So um, I don't think I'm getting that <laughs> schedule anytime soon. It's kind of like the schedule I have in AIW. It's like 10 shows a year. I show up, I fight some people, and I go home. Not too bad. Yeah, it's uh, quite the uh, the schedule to have. You impressed with a guy like Lesnar that was able to do wrestling, you know, win the obviously win the heavyweight championship of UFC, and then kind of come back to wrestling and be a you know, phenomenal card draw. Yeah, but you know his style um, is something that like it's built perfectly for these super fights. So for him to come in, he does an eight minute match. You know, it's a bunch of big moves. Uh, people aren't expecting him to go out and work like a, a different kind of style. So it's absolutely, you know, phenomenal for him. And it's too much off of his body uh, in the long run. So I think that, you know, that, that helps. I'm sure when he got back into training for MMA for the fight against Mark Hunt, he felt like a million bucks uh, compared to how he had felt in the past coming off of long MMA training camps. So. And he looked great. And then there's another guy, obviously, more towards Bellator, but Bobby Lashley, who's doing the kind of double duty. He does MMA, he's undefeated in Bellator, and then he goes back to TNA or Impact Wrestling. Is that, you know, is that something that, that kind of interests you a little bit if you weren't attached to the UFC? Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I would, uh, you know, I would love to explore those opportunities, but, you know, being under UFC contract, I can't even talk to anybody over in Bellator, so not really an option. Gotcha. Now, as far as your in-ring wrestling-wise, do you have maybe a favorite match or maybe a favorite moment so far that you that you've had in pro wrestling? Um, no, <laughs> not really. I mean, I guess the fact that I, you know, like we talked about earlier, I get to wrestle Dan Severn at Dan Severn um, was pretty awesome. But I'm never happy with the matches that I have. I go back and I watch art. You know, uh, I see how much work really needs to be done for me to get to the level where I, where I want to be. And, um, you know, so no, I mean, I really, I really don't have like a favorite match or moment. Um, you know, they're all just, I, I kind of enjoy it while I'm there. And then I go back and I, and I analyze it and it's out of my mind. So, um, no, not at all. Are you favorite a perfect fight for sure? <laughs> but... Are you a perfectionist in, in that regard though? Or are you kind of looking for that perfectness? Uh, I think I just have uh, too much free time. <laughs> basically. Now, favorite fight? Who do you got? Who, what's your favorite fight? Yeah, my favorite fight would be uh, fought C.B. Dalloway at UFC 100 and defeated him and was able to get a submission of the night bonus and uh, you know take home $100,000 bonus with that. So that would have to be you know my favorite one for sure. And obviously, you're a four-time performance of the night award winner so that that's definitely uh pretty cool now as far yeah, as yeah as far it, uh, as... it also allowed me to pretty much to live because if you look at the i've made more money in like bonuses than i did for actual salary uh for oh. much of my career so yeah i feel like the uh the money structure in ufc isn't quite where it should be uh yeah not not nearly uh, I think people see fighters on television. They see the way that we're promoted, and we're promoted like superstars in many ways. But uh, that doesn't mean that we're getting the same pay. Yeah, and those performance and night bonuses are basically huge for you guys, especially with Reebok payouts not being that great either. 
Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, there's there's only four of those that are going around, so it's only two hundred thousand dollars to get between, you know, possibly twenty fighters on the card. So uh, you know, it's really it's not as great of a monetary situation as a lot of people expect. I think. Definitely. Now, I just got uh, one one last question for me here before I yep. turn it over to Chad, but. I was just curious, is there a dream match for you in, in the pro wrestling world? Obviously, you've got coming up, you got Jeff Cobb. That's going to be awesome for MLW. One shot's going to be amazing. But is there a dream match for you that you'd love to, you know, wrestle this one specific guy or maybe two guys in the pro wrestling world? Uh, yeah, I'd love to be able to get in there with uh, Minoru Suzuki, for sure. Uh, you know, one of the founders of Pancrase. It would be, like, an absolute honor and, and – uh, that would be awesome. I know Funaki is also still working, I believe. So if I get a match yep. with him, that'd be just as cool. So. Good choice. Well, what's going to be even cooler than all that is next week. It's going down October fifth. It's going to be off the charts. It's you and Jeff Cobb, MLW's huge return. Not only can you get to the Guild Nightclub in Orlando to check it out, but 72 hours after the event takes place, it's going to be streaming on MLW TV. And you can get all the information about that on MLW.com. And if you want to purchase tickets, you can get them at the door or at MLW.eventbrite.com. And we're obviously looking forward to it. We wish we could be down there in Orlando, but we will be watching on the edge of our seats. But please give us one last pitch for this match with Jeff Cobb and what we have to expect on October 5th at MLW's One Shot. Quite frankly, if you've ever wanted to watch one of the best-looking men on the planet, beat the snot out of some ugly 2004 amateur wrestling champion Olympian, this is your chance to do it. This is probably your only chance to do it. So head on down to Orlando, check out MLW, one shot, or if uh, you can't make it, check it out online, MLW.com. Absolutely. And please, before we let you go, just share with the listeners where they can find everything going on in the world of current UFC fighter the one and only filthy tom waller yeah check me out on uh twitter and instagram at filthy tom waller that'll give you all the information you need to know and plenty that you do not (laughs) very nice so thank you so much tom for joining us we appreciate it and obviously all the best of luck next week down there in orlando all right thank you so much take care guys thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling what the world is downloading.